Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey everybody, welcome into it, the VolQuest podcast here on this Tuesday morning. I'm Eric Kang with Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, and Matt Ray joining us here today. A big thanks as always to our proud sponsor of the VolQuest podcast, that is Exterior Home Solutions, making this possible for a free estimate. Go ahead and give them a call today at 865-524-5888. 865-524-5888 Exterior Home Solutions, uh, bringing you coverage of the VolQuest podcast. Appreciate you guys for watching on YouTube. As always, please like and subscribe to the channel and help get this video out uh, to more and more Tennessee fans. Uh, going to talk a little football, going to talk some basketball and a little recruiting here on the podcast today. But want to go ahead and start off and talk on what's topical right now. Of course, as Tennessee's gearing up for a big-time matchup. Late tonight, a 9 o'clock Eastern time tip for senior night against Arkansas. Rob Lewis, uh, Tennessee picked up a big-time win uh, for, for, I mean, it was not a good opponent. South Carolina is what it is, but it was a big win for a number of different reasons on Saturday. And uh, seeing what can come of this is now Arkansas, a pretty fiery opponent coming to town here tonight. Yeah, I thought Tennessee looked really good on Saturday. Again, you can't, you know, not talk about the level of competition South Carolina has been. You know, one of the two or three worst teams in the league this year, although they did give Alabama all they wanted last week. But just, you know, Tennessee was clicking. They scored 80-plus points. Um, Josiah came back. He was the story today. He was healthy. He played 21 minutes, scored 18 points, looked looked really smooth, um, you know, didn't look to be bothered by the ankle. Um, I was, frankly, surprised that Julian Phillips didn't play. I mean, he Both he and Josiah practiced on, on Friday, and I thought Julian – Look fine, but obviously they're being cautious um, with postseason coming up. And the Tyreek Key thing um, kind of came out of nowhere on Saturday morning with his ankle. So, you know, Tennessee still has not been at full strength for almost all of February. But getting healthier, um, I, I think all signs point to Phillips playing. And um, you, you mentioned Eric, huge week. I mean, Tennessee goes in to the final week of the regular season just clinging to that fourth seed in the league race, which you know, obviously you know comes with a double bye. Missouri is uh, one game back, has a tiebreaker on Tennessee, thanks to the miracle finish, and Missouri has an easy close. Um, should be an easy close with at LSU and um, close it out at home against Ole Miss. Yeah, it's, uh, I looked at that schedule earlier today, and that is a, a really easy schedule for Missouri. Um, you know, Brent, when you look at the Tennessee basketball team, is it – I feel like obviously you want to in, in your, I mean, maybe I'm wrong here and I'm not trying to be a Debbie downer, but I mean, South Carolina's bad. I mean, it's just, it's bad basketball team. It's just a matter of trying to get, you know, Josiah to get back and, and play another game and get Julian back in there and get Tyree back in there to try to get these guys to play a game or two together before conference tournament start uh, starts next week. Well, I just think you got to get healthy. I, I don't know that they, they necessarily have to play together for chemistry or anything like that because, 
they've been so beat up. They played so many different comp combinations. Guys should be plenty comfortable playing with, with everybody. What you want to get from, in my opinion, and, and Rob, I'll ask you this. I think you want them out there to figure out kind of where you are in rotation because of those injuries. Where's just, where's just is Meshack's minutes. You know, how do you balance that? How many minutes do you play Joe side? Do you play a little different combination of guys than maybe you would have played pre-injury? Um, can you get back to your defensive rhythm because you can switch one through five? Uh, but but I think the bigger thing for me, Rob, is just how do you manage – how many minutes do you give Josiah? Where, where's the where's kind of the threshold for him of, of when it becomes detrimental minute-wise? How many minutes do you want to give Meshack? You know, where is he offensively? Obviously, against South Carolina, he was good, but it is South Carolina. I think those are a couple of questions you can answer. But in terms of playing with each other, these, these guys – Hell, they played with everybody because they've had everybody beat up throughout the year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think continuity is as big of a concern as what you're talking about. You know, where are they at conditioning wise? I mean, I, I think they're probably, you know, in in not not bad shape there. But um, you know, Mayshack really gives Coach Barr some flexibility here. I mean, he doesn't have to rush those guys back and have them play 30 minutes. And you know, that's the Jamad Mayshack factor has been the silver lining of, you know, the injuries they've dealt with in February because I think he's proven definitively to the coaching staff that he can be out there in, in big moments that they can count on him. You know, offense with him, you know, it's 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 probably going to be gravy most nights, but he has I, I, the last couple of weeks, man, he looks so much more confident. There he scored double figures in Kentucky with 16. Um, he had 14 against South Carolina. I mean, he's not obviously never going to be, you know, a, a high-volume shooter, but he's – He's not a liability on that end of the floor anymore. And, man, based off what we've seen from him, and I'm not trying to be hypercritical of Tyreek Key, but, but the kid really has struggled with his shot. He's 2-21, you know, from the floor in the last three games. And, man, I'd have a hard time justifying giving him any minutes over Jermon Meshack right now. Yeah, I would agree. Um, of course, he's just got to get back out there, you know, first and foremost, missing Saturday's game. Uh, Rob, I know you got a preview out there right now, or, or coming, you know, at some point today. Uh, what's Arkansas look like? How how different is Arkansas now the last three games than they have been the the rest of the conference slate? I mean, this is a team that's playing with a lot of momentum right now. Yeah, I mean, Nick Smith, one of the talent, most talented you know freshmen in the country, a top three, top five recruit, you know, by from everybody. He's been dealing with knee injuries all year long. Got him back. You know, he's you know, still very much figuring things out. He's, he's not all the way he's, he's played in 10 games on the year. And, and several of those were back in November before, you know, he shut it down just to try and get the knee right. But he, he's super talented, but you know, if they can figure out a way to work him in that, that's really going to, going to be a bust. It's a tough, tough gig for him though. He's only been back for a couple weeks this late in the year, but man, Arkansas is really talented. I mean, they're dangerous. They're only eight and eight in the league, but they won at Rupp. They had Alabama on the ropes on on Saturday down in Tuscaloosa. Um, really athletic. Do not play very well away from home. They're only two and seven on the year, but just mentioned one of those was in Rupp. And um, you know, we'll, we'll want to play fast if they can. Do you know? Not a great three point shooting team like we've seen from them in the past. Barely over thirty percent. So you know they want to get buckets in transition if they can. And, um, you know, I kind of like the matchup for Tennessee because, at least in part, that they're not a great three-point shoot, three shooting team. They're not going to be able to spread Tennessee out and not, like, 
and it's not like Tennessee can't handle that, but but I think when you when you don't really have that threat, um, they they can really wear on you defensively. But it's you know anything can happen because Arkansas is you know talent has not been their problem. Consistency has been. Yeah, you know, Rob, when I watched them play at times, you know, they seem to be at their best when they just put their head down and go to the rim and, and, and really attack the rim. Can can Tennessee handle the straight line drive? And and how much better is Tennessee defensively with Josiah because they can now switch everything again? Whereas if you're playing the two big men, maybe it's harder to switch one through five. Does that help Tennessee in this matchup with Arkansas straight line drives? Well, I think it helps a lot, personally. Um now, I don't know that you'll be able to do that for 40 minutes. There might still be, you know, depending on where Phillips is, there might still be a time when you've got, you know, some Awaka Adu rotations. But I'm with you. I mean, I know Rick's had to do more of that than he wanted to by necessity, but I, I have not been a, a very big fan of the two bigs on the floor at, at the same time. Look. Rob, of course, you got Arkansas tonight. You go to Auburn on Saturday, uh, but uh, along with the game tonight, which is uh, a game that Tennessee needs to needs to find a way to win, it's also senior night. You've got, correct me if I'm wrong, five guys, five guys you're going to be honoring uh, if you're Tennessee. What can you say about this class and some guys uh, like Olivier and, and Santiago who have been here for you know four years now? Man, just, uh, it's been a, a really great group. I mean, to, to watch it grow and, and cover. Um, Man, you know, Josiah has had a has had a really nice career. I'm not sure that he's fully appreciated, um, you know, for for how good he's been for so long. Olivier, I can remember, you know, talking to Coach Barnes after he had gone to see him play as a in high school for the first time. You know, some friend of a friend of a friend from his time uh, back at George Mason. You know, knew Olivier's high school coach and. You know, this kid from Finland that had had a had a knee injury and nobody knew about him. Um, so he, Olivier becomes a really good story. I mean, I don't know that anybody would have thought he would have been a multi-year starter when he came in here as a freshman. Santiago, just a, you know, another example of, of the staff going out and finding you know a kid somewhere that that fits him. You know, from Uruguay via via all, the NBA Academy in Australia, and you know, and, you know, Josiah just. A five-star kid that Tennessee beat out Duke for, beat out Kansas for, beat out Michigan State, and um, Josiah has honestly been one of my my favorite kids to cover, right up there with um, Chris Lofton and Grant Williams, as far as you know, personality, the way they play, unselfish, and um, you know, Eurosh is is not everybody's cup of tea, but man, I tell you, teammates love him. I mean, there's not a guy on there on the team that that is more liked. Um, just because, I mean, I, you can see by the way he plays how much it means to him, how much being a teammate means to him. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's 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 been a unique group of guys. I mean, you think about it: <laughs> Finland, Uruguay, Serbia, and, and Charleston, South Carolina. That's quite that's pretty good range right there. <laughs> that's a true melting pot for sure. Melting pot of personality says a lot about the culture. And the program that those guys, you know, have adapted and become, um, you know, the, the the guys that they have and the leaders that they that they've been in this program. They got work to do. This is a big week of basketball in the SEC, not just for Tennessee, but you got a lot of teams playing for a lot of things this week. And um, this is what the SEC wanted. I mean, they, they didn't want uh, they, they didn't want it to be on cruise control for your top couple of seeds. We didn't have to worry about anything. I mean, I know Alabama. 
um, basketball wise has, has things under control on the court, but for, there's a lot of other teams in this league playing for a lot of stuff this week. A lot of it, big time week. Oh yeah. And I, I would, I'm going to have to probably find it. I bet, I bet uh, Bruce Pearl is, is whining today. When you look at that close, cause they're also one game back at fourth place in the league, but they close at Alabama and home to Tennessee. I bet. And they had, <laughs> and they had Kentucky on Saturday, right? I mean, that was, their Oh team. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, at, at, Kentucky, at, Rupp, at Alabama Bama. and Tennessee. And then home to Tennessee. That's that's brutal. And like I like I mentioned, Missouri just got a gift handed to them yeah. with LSU and Ole Miss in the final week. Um you know, Vandy Vandy has a puncher's chance. They're they're sitting nine and seven. They go to Kentucky and then host Mississippi State in their finale. You know, I, I don't know that I see the doors winning and rup, but if, if they did go two and oh this week, they got a chance to get in there and muddy things up for the fourth place game. It's a big week all around, especially for Tennessee. Tip-off, 9 o'clock Eastern time tonight for Senior Night against Arkansas. And then on the road at Auburn come Saturday. Uh, you shift away from the hardwood and into recruiting a little bit. Matt, Ray, it's, uh, it's a big weekend for Tennessee recruiting. The dead period is going to be lifted. Uh, Tennessee is going to start having guys back on campus, and that's going to be frequent throughout the month, month of March and uh, on into spring practice. Yeah, March March is such a pivotal month on the recruiting trail. You know, spring practice. So many guys wanted to get up, you know, see what Tennessee has to offer in spring practice. But then, you know, you got the junior day coming up this weekend. And Tennessee had two really good junior days in January. And and this is going to be another junior day. The the early list looks solid. It should take a little bit more shape throughout this week. But it's a chance to get some guys up that you didn't get in in January and, and try to you know establish solid footing with them going into April and then May and June official visits. So it's it's a big weekend for Tennessee. You'll see some 2025 guys come through campus that they like early on. I mean, it'll continue to scour different positions as they cast a wider net. Caleb Odom, the tight end from Carrollton who just got a big bump in the on-three recruiting rankings, will be in this weekend. Justin Talanu um, is set to come in from California as it stands. We'll see if he makes it in. But another guy that just got a big ranking buff offensive tackle. So two positions that Tennessee's continuing to cast a, you know, wider net and try to expand their board at, you know, those two guys are going to be the probably the headliners for me for the weekend, I would say. And then a couple of defensive linemen slated to come in, um, that have continued to see their stock rise. Um, don't want to mess the name up. I don't want to say Jarevious Hall. Yeah, Jarevious Hall and Marcus Downs, two guys that have seen their stock um, continue to rise since their junior season's wrapped up. So both of those guys are slated to be in or two names to watch on the defensive line. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, Matt, the, Brent asked you in regards to the Under Armour All-American Camp Series uh, this past weekend, kind of where Tennessee, kind of the mood about Tennessee at that camp, if you will. Um, two junior days already in the rearview mirror, one coming up this weekend in terms of getting prospects on campus that you want. Kind of where's Tennessee at right now in the minds of a lot of prospects? I know Tennessee's always in the conversation, but you know, in your conversations with these guys, 2024s, 25s, is, is Tennessee a school to where they say, hey, I've got to get there, or I'm going to make it a priority to get there in March, or yeah, I'd like to get there, but we'll see how the summer goes. I mean, kind of where's Tennessee on that uh, that thought process You know, now after the big season last year and, of course, you know, heading into year three for Josh Heupel? Yeah, it's really more of a of a want to get there now. Like I, I've got to get there, you know, type situation for Tennessee and these recruits. They they saw what Tennessee put on the field last year, and and that stands out to them. But you're going into year three, and, and Tennessee has done a good job on the recruiting trail. You know, the staff has has been relatable to kids. Uh, they they like what they've seen if they've been up before. They want to get back and experience it again. And <clears throat> one thing I talked in depth with Mike Matthews about this weekend was the culture at Tennessee. And, and that's one of the things that continues to come up <clears throat> over time is, is the culture. They feel, they feel at home. They don't feel pushed when they're on these visits. They, they lock the guys that they're there with, they're relatable, you know, the recruits that they're on the visit with are relatable to them. Tennessee's recruiting a similar type of recruit personality wise. And I think that goes a long way in, in seeing these kids want to continue to get back to campus. Yeah, I think it's pretty fascinating to see, you know, who, who all ends up coming back. And then you look at, um, you know, who they evaluate, who they find this spring as well. I think this is a big week too for Tennessee in recruiting Matt and, and, and Rob in a kind of unusual way with the NFL Combine. But because of because of Tennessee, it's not one guy running. It's not one guy there this week, Rob. And it's been a while since Tennessee's had this kind of exposure for a week-long deal with the Combine. This is a big opportunity week for not only those guys to go make money, but it's a big opportunity week for Tennessee on the recruiting front to sell that stuff if those guys go out and perform well. They haven't had this opportunity in a while. Yeah, and I think that you can – you know. I guess to put an even finer point on it, you can sell yourselves as, as developers of talent because these weren't, you know, Darnell Wright was a five-star recruit, but it, he hadn't exactly, you know, had an all-SEC career, you know, the first couple of seasons that he was on campus. I mean, a, a lot of these guys had not really been productive until Cotypel and the staff got here. And I think that's, you know, an even added bonus for, you know, it, if they go perform well, if it, you know, they, they take the next step, step and are drafted and, um, and play. So, you know, I, I, I think that's a great point, Hubber. I mean, I don't think that's something that you can overstate. I mean, that's how, where does that show up in, you know, in the initial sales, sales pitch when, when you're sending out literature in recruiting, you know, how many draft picks we had, how many players, you know, Coach Hype will put in the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's pretty high up there. I mean, I'm selling it hard, aren't you, Matt? I mean, because, listen, I mean, facilities are great, colors are great, winning on the field, all that's great. But at, at the end of the day, a lot of these guys are are thinking about the next level. I know there's NIL talk, but they're still thinking about draft day. I mean, you, you got to 
if you're Tennessee, you need these guys to capitalize, and then you have to capitalize on it from a marketing standpoint starting this week, carrying through the NFL draft, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, uh, For Tennessee to have this opportunity to finally sell this on both sides of the football, you know, Darnell Wright's continuing to get taught at, at offensive tackle, creeping up the board, potentially into the first round. Byron Young, you know, continues to – be a talking point for, for teams, uh, maybe a, a day two pick, uh, most likely a day two pick. And then, you know, for Tennessee, I think one key thing for them that you can sell along with that, like Rob said, the, the developmental standpoint, you can also sell the continuity, right? You know, you, you didn't have a lot of turnover this offseason. And, and the, the turnover that you had, you promoted from then, you filled that position, and you, you brought Alec Ablin in at tight end coach, and you're moving forward. So for me, I think you have a chance to kind of sell a combination of all that. And, and one of the things that I heard a couple of recruits talk about over the weekend it, that it, at the Under Armour camp was that they wanted to, you know, they had seen Todd Munkin's offense at Georgia for the last few years. There, there's a belief and a reason to trust, you know, Kirby Smart and and Mike Bobo being the offensive coordinator there, but they want to they want to have those plans answered. So there's you know a chance for Tennessee Tennessee to sell continuity and development this week that they haven't had before in my opinion. That's yeah, a really good that's... point too because you know something that was not ever consistent uh, during the three years Jeremy Pruitt was here was you know his coaching staff. There was tons of move movement all offseason long. For the most part, now there's been a guy leave here and there, but for the most part that's that's been very consistent with Josh Heupel through two years and, and of course the results of we're starting to kind of speak for themselves. Um, and, and Matt, I, I wanted to ask you this, because you, you mentioned when you threw out a couple of names coming up this weekend about Tennessee casting a, a bit of a wider net uh, in, in some positions, offensive tackle being one of those. Of course, that's a pressing need, tied in a pressing need. Do you get the sense that because of Tennessee's success, they're, they are, they're in a position that they can cast a, a wider net? I mean, they, they have the opportunity – or do you think it's a mentality change from Tennessee of, hey, we need to be recruiting more guys. We need to have a, a deeper board, you know, because we're not going to go four for five and, and that type of thing. What, what do you think is leading to what appears to be a deeper pool of guys in, in some positions in particular, but, but really overall with this class so far? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit of the, you know, we're not going to go four or five. I think the NIL – you know, structure in college football last year. Tennessee was, again, an offensive tackle at one time in a really great spot with with multiple guys, and it, it just didn't work out. And NIL didn't play the, the signing role in every one of those recruitments, obviously, but it was huge. And it's not as easy to just build those relationships and, and you know, catapult that to the end and, and get a recruiting win. So I think for Tennessee, it's a little bit of that. And and continuing to trust evaluations, I think when, when you look at some of the guys that they've offered recently um, at those positions, their stock has continued to rise. They turned in really good junior seasons, and they're continuing to, you know, get increasing interest from schools across the country. And, and I think and we've talked about this before. The last few years up until last year, offensive tackle just had not been a position you know, you, you need a lot of tackle bodies. And it just was not a position that was churning out quality bodies where there was, you know, 10 to 15 guys in a class that could come in and help you in year one or year two. And, and these last two classes have, have continued to see that. Um, you know, this year, Marquez Easley, a guy, for example, that 
probably has picked up 20 offers since November. Uh, Bennett Warren, a guy that's picked up 15 or 20 offers since November at the tight end position. You know, you, the kid from Cardinal Gibbons in Florida, is, his name escapes me now. He's picked up 15 offers in, in the last two months. So I think it's a little bit of, yeah, we need to cast a wider net, but also, you know, trusting that evaluation process and going through it and, you know, trying to stick to that. Big week for hoops, big weekend for recruiting, and a big weekend for, for some former Tennessee players uh, at the NFL Combine. Uh, just a quick note on that. I just, I, I think personally, Jalen Hyatt is going to be the talk of the Combine because I expect him to run a, a low 4 uh, 3. He's, he's going to fly. And I think Darnell Wright, and I know Austin said this you know, for months now, you know, Darnell Wright to be as big as he is and athletic as he is and as young as he is, only 21 years old and as experienced as, as he is. To get a chance to get out there, move around, do some positional drills and interview, I think it'll be a big week for Darnell Wright as well. So um, looking forward to seeing how those guys, Byron Young, Cedric Tillman, Hinton Hooker is going to be there. Um, Jeremy Banks, Paxson Brooks, uh, I think that's it. Uh, I might have left off one or two, but uh, Tennessee's got a big showing at the NFL Combine. We'll see how they do. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's. I think I think that wide receiver Combine day is going to be just ridiculous. I mean, you, you're gonna, you better run well. You better have a really good it because that that is. When I looked at all the positions out there, to me, that's the one that that's that's stacked. I mean, there's just a just a ton of talent. I know the NFL is all about receivers and taking more and more receivers, but you, you're talking about stuffing a bracket with a bunch of talent. Now that that's there's a lot of talent rolling to Indianapolis at, at the at the receiver position. That that one's going to be entertaining to watch overall to see whose stock really soars, kind of where they all are. Because there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on that position this week. Yep, yep, always is. Um, we'll look at that, and uh, we continue to look ahead to spring practice. Just a couple of weeks ahead, just a couple of weeks away from Tennessee and some other teams around the SEC taking the field for spring practice. And uh, Brent's, you know, put out uh, some big questions on offense and defense already this week. Uh, but saw this list from Clark Brooks, um, SEC. Stat cats, um, you know, with us here at on three, and, and he kind of ranked some quarterbacks uh, for the pre-spring SEC quarterback rankings. It's never too early to get into list season, and he ranked ten quarterbacks. Um, no A and M, Missouri, Auburn, or Vanderbilt on this list because there's some uncertainty there. Uh, but ten quarterbacks, including some returners and some new starters and a couple of transfers in there, and he has Joe Milton ranked at number four in terms of the pre-spring SEC quarterback rankings. Number one is K.J. Jefferson of Arkansas. Number two is Jaden Daniels of LSU. Number three is Devin Leary, formerly of NC State, now at Kentucky. And then Joe Milton comes in at four, right in front of Spencer Rattler at number five. Uh, Brent, I'll ask you first. Uh, first and foremost, what an underwhelming group of quarterbacks <laughs> compared to the namesake from last year. Uh, do you like kind of where Milton is? Do you think that's fair? I think I might have had him fifth, but overall I think four is a, a good spot for him. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sold on the K.J. Jefferson love um, for, from Arkansas. Um, I, I just – I'm not he, – he's not getting like Will Levis love, that, that type of deal, but I'm just – to, to me, that one, I, I could see Jaden Daniels ahead of him. Um, I get the Devin Leary love when, when you look at what he did at NC State. And, um, you know, the, the thing about K.J. Jefferson, and, and I think when you do lists like this, I don't know what all the what all the criteria is, Rob and Matt, Matt, when you look at these things. To me, it's a lot about who do you have around you, okay? 
the, the top two receivers at Kentucky a year ago were freshmen. They're going to be better at, at receiver. I, I don't know where Arkansas gets receivers from. They, they couldn't get anybody open last year without Burks on the field with, with him being gone. They've had some kids transfer out. I don't know what kind of weapons K.J. Jefferson has to go with him, and I don't think he's – I'm just not sold. So he would not be my number one quarterback in the SEC in, in my pre in my pre-spring list. Um, so I would start there. You know, again, Joe Milton's got some weapons. Joe Milton's got continuity with the offense, um, which which can help. And and so I'd say probably four is probably fine for for Joe Milton. Uh, but I'm just not sold on, on KJ Jefferson being at the top. I don't I don't really get that one. Yeah, I think when I looked at that, I would have I would have probably had Jaden Daniels at one. But when you look at the top of that list, all those guys have played a lot of football. But the same thing for me with KJ Jefferson. Who's he throwing the ball to? They struggled last year getting them open with Kendall Bryles, an offensive coordinator. You know, what's Dan Enos' system going to look like? It's a new system out there. So, uh, I just I just have questions about K.J. Jefferson. And like you said, he's not getting, you know, he's not getting Will Levis love, but you know, he's, he's getting some love. So, I, I'm, I'm not sold on that one yet either. And, and I'm interested in, in Devin Leary. You know, obviously Rich Scangarello's time as offensive coordinator at Kentucky didn't go as planned. But, you know, Liam Cohen's back. What does that look like? Devin Leary's played a lot of football, was really good in the ACC. Um, you know, but Will Levis, again, I go back to the Will Levis conversation. He's being talked about as a potential number one draft pick. And it, the, that offense should only be better, you know, and how does Leary slot into it? So I think four is fine for Joe Milton. Um, I, I kind of thought Will Rogers might be rated a little lower than, than what I would have had him. Um, but, you know, what, what do things look like in Starkville, too? There's just a lot of questions on that quarterback list. And, again, it's one of those lists, it's preseason. You know, what does it mean at the end of the day? But you know, I, I don't – Will Rogers got slotted a little bit. Rob, I'll, I'll mention this, and I agree with you there, uh, Matt, on, on Will Rogers. Sure, um, a lot of people say he played in a quarterback-friendly system for so many years, and you know, but he's putting up numbers. And I've seen him do it year after year after year, whereas I saw Spencer Rattler do it for the last two games of the season. Um, but, but on Devin Leary, Rob, I'll say this. I mean, sure. Will Levis is the, the pro makeup, the physical attributes and all that type of stuff. He will be a top 10 pick and he played like crap a lot of times at Kentucky. I mean, just point blank, but he will be a top 10 pick. The difference here is Devin Leary was one of the best quarterbacks in the nation in 2021. He took a step back in 2022 at NC state injuries, you know, missed some time and all that. But you, if you get if you channel into that 2021 season for Devin Leary and you put him in Kentucky now, I'm not saying Kentucky's going to win the East or go to Atlanta. I don't believe that. But that might be the biggest addition in the SEC this year if it works out that way. Whereas when you went and got Will Levis, he wasn't really anything. I understand he did some things at Penn State, but he did not have the hype or the uh, the, the film work that Devin Leary has coming into Kentucky. Well, two years ago, Leary threw for 35 touchdowns and with, with five interceptions. I mean. Yeah. As, as you say, I mean, battled a lot of stuff last year, but um, I mean, thirty-five and five—that's that, that's wildly productive and, and efficient at the same time. So you know, I'm, and it goes goes back to Brent's point. I'm not sure what all they have around him besides, um, you know, Barry and Brown. But when when I look at that list, I'm not. I mean, these these guys have a long way to go. But I'm whoever plays quarterback at Alabama or Georgia will not be the eighth and ninth most productive quarterback in the SEC. On because that, because of what Brent, they have around them. On on that note, though, Brent, I mean, I find it interesting. 
Jalen Milrow, I'm not convinced he'll be the starting quarterback for for Alabama. And if he does, I'm not I'm not convinced that he's going to last the entire year. Carson yeah, Beck that's what I said. Whoever plays this... quarterback at yeah. those two schools will not be eighth, the eighth and ninth most productive players in that position. I just think Jalen Milrow is not very good. Now, Carson Beck, he's just not experienced, but he's experienced in the system. He's been there a couple of times, but a couple of five stars right behind him. The eight, nine on this list, Carson Beck and Jalen Milrow, kind of your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, I would have put probably the kid from Missouri at 10 over over Mertz from Wisconsin, the yeah. freshman last year. I, I thought he was solid. I don't understand why you don't – I mean, I would have him probably in my top 10 somewhere. Um, you know, Melrose, I, I mean, I just think you're putting the Alabama quarterback on there. I think most people at Alabama think Ty Simpson's going to be the starter down yeah. there unless they bring in a transfer post-spring from somewhere, you know if something stupid, crazy happens in the transfer portal, but I don't think it's going to. So I think I don't even think Milrow is going to be the starter going into the year. I think that'll be Ty Simpson. The other thing about this list when I look at it, and that's why I said earlier, I don't know what the criteria is. You, you look at this, Mertz, transfer, new system. Melrose got a new offensive coordinator. Beck's got a new offensive coordinator. You got Spencer Sanders. I, I don't, is, was he on the roster? They brought in so Oklahoma many State. That, yeah, okay, so he's a transfer, new system. Will Rogers is going to be playing in a new system. Spencer Rattler's got a new offensive coordinator. Joe Milton's got all the continuity of anybody to this point on this list because you know what the system is. Devin Leary's productive. Got a new offensive coordinator, new weapons around him to work with because he's been at another school. Jaden Daniels, continuity because we all know what they're doing at LSU. That will build. I mean, you look at where Brian Kelly's quarterbacks are year one to year two. They take a big step much like Hendon Hooker took a step. So I think that's why you can make a case for Jaden Daniels being number one. And then K.J. Jefferson's got a new system that he's going to be learning as a quarterback. So the hard thing with this list is it's not just the talent, Rob. It's the unknowns of what the offense is going to be for them and what it's going to look like and, and how they fit into that and how they can tailor it to those guys. Um, maybe the greatest, one of the greatest years of unknowns at the quarterback position, not just because of the questionable talent with the quarterback, but because of, uh, of their, you know, so many of them are playing in a new system, either as a transfer, or they got a new coordinator. Yeah, and and what a difference! I'm, I'm, I think somebody already pointed it out, but what a difference a year makes when you know this time last year that list included three guys that are absolutely locks to be, you know, in the f- first round, and two that are, you know, getting talked about for the number one overall pick, and mm-hmm. you can't say that now. And another interesting thing, just glancing at it, uh, it's like four of the. Uh, what, five of the top six guys, or no, four of the top five guys started started their careers off somewhere else than where they are now? Yep. Welcome to college football. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's hard to see. I mean, you know, because it, it's the position's still a developmental position, you know, and, and these guys are being developed in different places. They're moving into different places, moving into new systems. Sometimes, Matt, those work out really, really well. Sometimes those don't work out really, really well, right? I mean, for Hendon Hooker, it was an absolute home run, an absolute home run. It was a great home. It was a great move for Russell Wilson when he made it years ago. It doesn't always work out that the guy you brought in is the best guy. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, you catch line in a bottle sometimes. I mean, look at look at Joe Burrow to LSU, yep. Justin Fields to, to Ohio State. I mean, those guys, you know, made the right decision for them. But it's just – it's going to be it's going to be such a common theme in football now. Like you said, welcome to college football. I mean, there's going to be guys that hit and there's going to be guys that miss. It's just going to be like, you know, the recruiting process all over again because that's what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, 
I'll be interested to see. I, I think it's a very good point when I looked at the list of what you said with Joe Milton. He just brings back as much continuity as anybody. Jaden Daniels the same way. And I think you could very well at the end of the season, given the systems that, that, that those two you know, programs run, I think they could be one and two. You know, also, you know, what does Carson Beck look like in, in Mike Bobo's system? Because I think Carson Beck's going to be the starter there, and one of those guys behind him is is headed to the transfer portal post spring. And I think Ty Simpson is going to, you know, should have been the one on that list. And, you know, what does he look like? Because like Rob said, he's got weapons around him. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think I'd like to see what that list looks like again in May after, you know, everybody wraps up spring practice and, you know, you see film and video of what went on. There'll be another list. Don't worry. (laughs) There will be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm with you too. I mean, you you look at this top ten right here. Like, there's no guarantee Spencer Sanders is the starting quarterback at Ole Miss, even though I think he will be. No guarantee about Carson Beck, even though I think he will be. Jalen Miller, who I don't think will be the starting quarterback, kind of what's that look like? And and then some other guys who weren't even you know making this list. So, I just think it's interesting. Um, I think Joe Milton's got as high a ceiling as anybody on this. And, and when you compare Joe Milton to some of these other quarterbacks, he hasn't played consistently the last two years. Of course, being behind Hendon Hooker. But when Joe has played, one thing you can say about him, you know, he might overthrow some guys, but didn't turn the football over. I mean, Spencer Rattler is a turnover machine, right? K.J. Jefferson, when he's not healthy, he turns the football over a little bit. Um, you know, Will Rogers thrown a, his his fair share of interceptions, you know, not many, but throughout his career. You know, Joe Milton hadn't done that to this point. So um, just kind of interesting going into spring and, and kind of seeing where Tennessee's guys kind of stacked up around the rest of the SEC where there's a lot of name loss recognition in terms of no young no hooker no rogers no um richardson you know none of those guys so thought it was kind of interesting that is the pre-spring sec quarterback rankings from sec stat cat of on three and uh, that is clark brooks he's going to put a couple of these more out there and i'm i'm excited to kind of bring them on the podcast and talk about it maybe we'll get him on the podcast i'm at a future date Big week for Tennessee basketball. Game tonight against Arkansas. Game on the road against Auburn on Saturday to kind of see where uh, it will finish in terms of jockeying for that uh, top four overall seed for the SEC tournament, that double bye. Uh, recruiting, dead period is about to lift. Junior day coming up this weekend. NFL Combine, Tennessee baseball, and, uh, of course, you know, continue to talk about Tennessee football as we inch closer towards spring practice. For Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, Matt Ray, I am Eric Kane. Big thank you for joining us here today. And a big thanks, as always, to our sponsor, Exterior Home Solutions. Now, you can give them a call today for a free estimate at 865-524-5888. A free estimate by calling Exterior Home Solutions today at 865-524-5888. Send in your mailbag questions for the Thursday podcast. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.